0: is a podcast of 19 North, a young adults ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, see 19north.tv. He spoke here about a couple months ago, I believe. And man, he he had a word for us. He had a, a critical word uh, for our generation. And I believe that God has given him a word for tonight. He's gonna be talking about pride and humility. And I was encouraged by the message you gave at our high school ministry. So thank you for that. Thank you for your dedication in serving this next generation. And, and, and I hope people are encouraged as well. So what I want everybody to do is just reach out your hand and we're gonna pray for my man, Mike Russell, and he's gonna bring the word. So Father God, I just thank you Lord, I thank you for this man of God that you have created. Lord, you have created him for such a time as this. Lord, as he proclaims your word, the word will go forth and produce, uh, go on the good soil and produce much fruit. God, I thank you, Lord, that it is not his words, but it is your Holy Spirit working through him. I thank you that the, you have put the grace and the gifts on his life, Lord, to minister to us tonight. So we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our lives and our hearts tonight. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Let's give it up for Mike Russell.
1: Thanks, Zach. What's going on dudes and girl dudes? It's good to be here. (laughs) Seriously though, it is awesome. Uh, I love being able to talk to you guys, so thank you for the opportunity. Um, at the risk of sounding like a lame church kid, being here on Saturday nights is like totally the best part of my week every single week. Uh, So thanks for making that kind of environment. (laughs) Um, Thank you for that. And I'm, uh, I'm especially thankful for 19 North around this time of year just because for as long as I can remember, the month of January has just hit me like a truck every single year. I think it's because I love Christmas so much. Like, I love Christmas. You ever love something so much that even while you're enjoying it, you're sad because like, you know it's going to be over. That's how I am with Christmas. Like, I I spend the entire year looking forward to December, and then when it's happening, like, it's awesome, but there's still just this, like, underlying layer of anticipatory sadness because I know January's coming. And now it's January, so that's kind of rough. But I know I'm not the only one who feels that way because several years ago, some group of academics, I don't know who they were, but they were smart, learned people that got together and they concocted this formula. And this formula calculated what they call blue Monday aka the worst day of every year and it falls on the Monday of the last week the last the Monday of the last full week of January every single year so for those keeping score at home that is two days from now we are in the two-day radius of the worst day of the year so uh I just want to like, put my foot down and take a stand against that. Like, can we just agree to make the rest of January a big party? Like, that would be awesome. So in that party spirit, just get a little hype tonight. If you're feeling what I'm saying, I want to hear some amens and some come-ons. If you want to bark like a dog or meow like a cat or bark like a cat, like go for it. I'm all in. Any kind of crowd participation is encouraged. So, um, but seriously, uh, being, being around you guys again has been awesome. Um, I think Zach's had a really good series going with this uh, Small Things Big Difference. A couple weeks ago, he touched on something really cool that I want to expand upon tonight uh, when he brought out that shovel and the the garden shear. And he talked about using that shovel to get down into the roots of whatever is oppressing us. And uh, that's really important in my life, and it should be in yours, too, when it comes to a particular area of pride. And I'm just warning you that this next five minutes or so might be kind of a bummer, but I guarantee we're going to end on a more uplifting note. Uh, But... We'll get this out of the way first. Pride is sinful. Pride is sinful. Um, I think in the lives of a a lot of Christians, it's looked at as maybe not one of the uglier sins. Like, there are some things you do, and as soon as you do it, you're like, that was wrong. I can't do that anymore. But pride has a more sneaky way of getting into our lives. Um, Sometimes it's even looked at as kind of a noble quality to have. Like, I know my high school sports teams were all about, like, Raider pride. Or you might read, like, an obituary in the newspaper where someone is described as having been, like, a proud man or something like that. Uh, But pride is deadly pride is deadly. And the reason pride is deadly is because pride is the root cause of a lot of other, what I'll call symptomatic sins. It's the root cause of a lot of symptomatic sins. And all that really means is if you can identify an area of your life, uh, something that you're not happy that you do, an area of sin that you can't quite stomp out, it probably continues to crop up because you have an issue with pride. Um, And I, I really think that all the sin in the world kind of goes back to pride. If you think about the, the dude we call Satan now, that, that guy, um, he started off living up in the heavenlies with God, and then his pride is what got him thrown out of heaven. Uh, we have a passage from Isaiah that uh, describes uh, what kind of caused him to be kicked out of heaven. It says, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven, starting in verse 13. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high, sit on the mountain of assembly in the far reaches of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And long story short, he got thrown out and like went somewhere not so good. Um, and that the roots of that prideful act from him still show themselves in our sin today. Um, just look at an area like like envy, for example. If you envy someone else or if you covet what, what someone else has, you probably want the attention that that person has that you're not getting. Or if you tend to be angry, if you hold grudges, I've been there in my life before, it's probably because you want the person you're holding a grudge with to understand that your way of thinking is higher than theirs. Uh, are, anything you're self-conscious about can probably be, probably be traced to pride. A lot of violence and sexual immorality can be traced back to pride. But imagine for a second that you know, you're a gardener and you have these, these weeds popping up in your garden and all you, all you keep doing is kind of kicking off the leaves of them, c- cutting off the leaves. They're gonna keep coming back. And unless you get down and rip that root out, you're gonna keep having a problem with those weeds. So the way to kind of get rid of that root that is pride is just to replace it with the opposite of pride, humility. And I think sometimes people get humility wrong. They think it might be uh, thinking less of yourself, um, thinking that you're incapable of stuff. But the best biblical definition of humility I've ever heard comes from a guy named Tim Keller, who says that true biblical humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. So that's recognizing that, yes, I am a talented, gifted person, but I'm not going to I'm not going to lessen that. I'm just going to p- take the focus off myself and put it on someone else. True, a true form of healthy, sustainable humility is a confident humility. And uh, I, I've come up with what I think are five practical steps to kind of inject that into your life, to in- inject humility into your life. Um, the first one is this. Number one, build memorials. Build memorials. And uh, what I mean by that, uh, we're going to look at a passage from Joshua 4. And uh, basically some context here is Joshua is leading Israel uh, into the land that God had promised them. And they come up on this big obstacle in the form of the Jordan River. And God performs this ridiculous miracle in which he temporarily stops the flow of the river so that these millions of people can cross. And this is what Joshua says to them afterwards. It says, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. I'm going to burp for a second. All right, we're back. So... I know there's an area in your life, (laughs) I couldn't hold that any longer. Uh, I know there's an area, (laughs) there is something God has done in your life that is worth building a memorial for. I I know it, I'm positive of it. Um, I keep a memorial on the the floor of the passenger seat of my car. Um, I I have a rock that I picked up uh, one day during college. I had just failed at a goal that I had been working at for years. And uh, I kind of went to a, a, a lake at a state park nearby to just clear my head, and I had a really intimate moment with God in which he kind of reminded me, you know, that my hard work was going to pay off in time. We had this really touching moment, and I was like, I want to remember this. So I picked up a rock from the lake, and I threw it in my car, and then when I got a new car, I put the rock in a new car, and I, I'll look at that rock sometimes, and I'll just be reminded of what God did for me, and in those moments... My focus is taken off of myself and put onto him, reminded that he's the one who's due, who's due glory. And uh, there are a lot of different ways you can do stuff like this. It can be a rock. It doesn't have to be a rock. But if you're a rock person, like more, more power to you. Um, you can, if, you're, if you're an artist, you can create some kind of memorial and put it somewhere where you're going to see it. Uh, maybe you have a picture of a, of, a, of a time that God came through with you. Any kind of physical reminder, it's in a place where you can see it. I recommend doing that. All right, moving on. Number two is to write out your story. Uh, if, you've, if you have the privilege of walking with God for any period of time, your story has a happy ending already, uh, but it definitely did not start that way or at least not as happy as it is now. And if you're willing to take the time to sit down and write that out, you're gonna be floored. I promise you, you will be floored by the presence of other people and of God in your life, the people that he's sent to you who when you were at your lowest point were willing to get down so that you could be elevated up. I guarantee you, in, in, in every in every, uh Bible-believing Christians' testimony, there is someone in their life who shared the gospel with them who was willing to get down. Maybe they were a kid or maybe an adult, whenever, and was willing to share the gospel with them when they did not know any better. And in those moments when you're writing that out, you're going to remember those people. You're going to be thankful for those people. And your focus will be taken off of yourself and put on them and onto God. All right. Which brings me to my next one, number three, is serve what the Bible calls the least of these. Uh, To explain that, we're going to jump to Matthew 25. Uh, This is Jesus speaking. He says, The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And it keeps going a little bit more from there then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. God really appreciates it when you are willing to get down low for someone. He appreciates it so much that he says it's almost as if you're just doing it unto him directly. He loves those moments. And if you can start to build that kind of lifestyle for yourself, where you're putting putting the least of these before your own needs, you're thinking of the people who are naked, the people who don't have food to eat. If you're putting those people in front of you, it's impossible to be focused on yourself. And not only that, but when you're willing to get low for someone, you're identifying with Jesus a little bit. Because your actions to get low for that person is going to mirror Jesus getting low for you. You're going to appreciate him that much more. And uh, I'm going to make a shameless plug here real quick. Uh, as part of our small group rally night, that's tonight, and uh, so a- after service, uh, all our small group, all our small group leaders are going to be up here to tell you about the groups they're leading in the upcoming small group semester. Uh, one of them is led by Steph McCarl and Dave Lemchak. Where are you guys at? You guys in here? And they're doing they're doing a community service small group. It's an awesome group, and they have sweet. Uh, community service projects lined up all through the winter and the spring that are super easy to sign up for, and this is a great foot in the door to this kind of lifestyle. If you wanna go feed the hungry and clothe the naked and visit the sick, like, do it. The opportunity is literally right in front, yes. Do it, talk to these guys tonight. They're gonna be up here for you guys to see. It's a great foot in the door. All right, moving on. Number four, get uncomfortable. This is something I'm really passionate about because I think it is super important uh, to someone's growth to get out of their comfort zone. Uh, you probably have some stuff in your head that you know you're good at and a lot of stuff that you probably know you're not good at. Um, but whenever you take a few steps out of, the, out of those things, that's when you discover what you're really, really made of. And, you know, you're going to discover the stuff that God hid maybe a little deep, deeper down inside you that you would to scrape away a couple more layers to find. But he wants you to find those things. And uh, this is important. We're going to look at a verse from Psalm 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So this is saying that if you do step out of your comfort zone and you experience success in something, it's because God has allowed that to happen. He has blessed that effort. And you're going to experience partnership with him in that moment. It's going to be really powerful from you taking the focus off of you and put onto God. On the flip side of that, if you try something new, you step out of your comfort zone and you fail you're gonna have a whole new appreciation for the people who are good at the thing that you failed at. I had this experience a few years ago. I tried to teach myself to learn piano, which was like a bad strategy for learning, just like going and trying to like listen to songs I like and like that sounds like, anyway. I failed, failed miserably and I have a whole new appreciation for these people up here who do this because they're extremely talented. Um, but uh, there are two main ways that I think you can get out of your comfort zone. One is to take something that you already know an activity you already do, a subject matter you're familiar with, and just crank up the intensity. If you're an athlete, if you love hitting the gym, uh, train harder. If you're, if you're an artist, if you're a musician, you, know, you, you try a harder piece of music, or maybe you try creating your own stuff that you've never done before. If you're a social butterfly, if you're someone in your social group who is just chatting it up, connecting with everyone, find the people in your spheres of influence who don't have that gift and try to get them in on the action. If you have the heart of a servant, you love serving people. Take your service to the next level deeper. Get down lower for that person. Crank up the intensity on whatever it is you know that you're good at. And the second way that's a lot more fun is to just try something totally new entirely. Get, just try a totally new activity. If you're a meathead, any meatheads in here love hitting the gym, I dare you to write a poem. Like, do, do something artistic, find your creative side. It's gonna stretch you in ways you didn't imagine. And we got any shut-ins in here, like bookworms who love to, like, read on Saturday nights and sit by the fire? Yeah, climb a mountain or fight somebody. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> do something to get out of that comfort zone, you know? If you're, if you're someone who has antisocial tendencies, go out to eat with us after 19 North tonight. Like, whatever it is, you're going to find a lot out about yourself and about God also taking the focus off of you putting it onto God and and onto other people. When you're living like that, it's impossible to be focused inwardly. All right, my last one is number five. Engage in the church community. Now, if you're here, if you've been here, you've had people telling you to come to church. I'm I'm sure you have, every single person here, but it is so important. Uh, There's a verse from the book of Acts that I have coming up here that describes the very first iteration of the Christian church and how they behave toward each other. It says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. So the church at that point really was a family. They shared everything they had. If it was a a physical possession, they shared it. If they had wisdom to share, they shared it. Knowledge, expertise, they shared it with each other. They needed it to get by at that point. And when the church today is operating the way it should be, it looks really similar to that. And having been here for about a year and a half, I can say that usually this church operates that way. And there are a lot of insanely awesome ways to get involved. Another shameless plug for small group a uh, rally day tonight. Get dig in. Please dig into this community. Um, not only are you gonna get a lot out of it, you have stuff to give. You have you have expertise to give people that you can that you can use to focus on them instead of yourself. There's someone in this room, I guarantee you, who is going through a struggle that you've already conquered and they can use your mentorship on that. They need you to help you to, to help them through that. You have leadership potential that's waiting to be unleashed. Your your words, your actions, your thoughts have so much more influence than you realize. And if you don't agree with me on that, I have a little story for you. Uh, Flashing back to 2014, the Pittsburgh Penguins had had a wonderful season. Uh, They dominated the Metro division. They are really high seed going into the playoffs. Uh, it was round two of the playoffs against the New York Rangers a team who I despise. I can't stand any of those guys it, go- it goes back to them having Sean Avery and I just like can't stand that dude Anyway, game seven of a round two playoff series at the Consol energy center And my friend Nick and I were really fortunate to get student rush tickets. We got $25 tickets to this insanely awesome game. We showed up. We screamed our lungs out for three hours. We were absolutely certain the Pens were going to dominate the Rangers and move on to the conference finals. And they played the worst game I've ever seen a hockey team play. lost two to one. And they were eliminated. Everyone was mad. Me and Nick were mad. Everyone in our row was mad. The whole section was mad. All 18,000 people in what was in the consult energy center were mad. So we're filing out of the arena to get to our cars, and it's just a procession of dejected yinzers just walking to their cars. One of the saddest sights I've ever seen. And we finally get down to the street, and I'm just looking out at these throngs of sad people. Like, it was, it was terrible. And I, I, I recognized, you know, being an opportunist, I recognized a moment where I could step up to the plate, and I said, Michael, these people are dejected. They're downtrodden. They need a strong moral leader to rise up and show them the way. And I stepped up to the plate, and at the top of my lungs I screamed, let's go release all the animals at the zoo! And hundreds of Yinzer hockey fans rose up with a thunderous roar of approval, all ready to go storm the gates of the Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium. And Nick and I just looked at each other like, I think that's our cue to leave, like I'm not sticking around to see what happens next, I'm not getting arrested for this. And we left. And I have no idea how many giraffes died that night. But the point is, the point of that story is, it's a little bit of a stretch, but the point is, we had a lot more influence in our words than we recognized in that moment. Totally unnecessary story. But our words had so much more influence than we realized. And so do yours in this church. This church needs you. Dig in. You need the church. They need you. All right. All right. So that's it for my five points. Um, I really do think they're good practical steps to try to build a a humble lifestyle for yourself. Uh, But to be honest, they're just gonna point you in the direction of what I think is the true cure to pride. And the true cure to pride is to realize that the children of God are royalty. The children of God are royalty. If you know the Lord, if you've committed your life to living with him, he sees you as royalty. Um, The book of Romans would describe you as a co-heir with Christ. You share in his inheritance and you will one day be glorified with him. The book of 1 Peter says that you are part of a royal priesthood. You are royalty if you live with the Lord. And when you realize that you are royalty with God, you're no longer gonna crave that validation and recognition from people. You're gonna be satisfied in that. Oh, I'm royalty to the God of the universe? I don't need this person's approval? But to be honest, I, I don't know how to make that revelation real for you i can put it into your head but i don't know how to make it sink in here and you need to take a personal step another step and just ask god to make that personal to you make your royal identity in jesus personal to you i don't know what it's going to take but if you ask in faith god is faithful to do that for you and he will relay that message straight into your heart in a way that you personally will understand because he knows how you receive things and he knows how it's going to make sense to you ask him in faith to reveal your royal identity to you and you will never care about what people think of you ever again. You will never care about having the spotlight. It's not going to matter to you. That's what's going to cure your, your pride. And uh, we're going to close with what is my favorite part of every service. Uh, everyone in this room is going to have an opportunity to commit your life to God. Um, you, can, you can get in on this family. You really can. And if you want to make this choice, it's it's a life that's it's free. You probably hear that thrown that, that thrown around a lot of living with God is living with freedom, but it really is. You don't have to keep walking into these traps that pride sets before us. You can live as royalty with God. You can you can live in a story that is literally still being written. You know, the the word of God is alive and active, which means the stuff that is written in there it hasn't all been fulfilled yet. You can be a character in a living story and you can be on the right side of what is going on in that. And I do not know what is more exciting than that. If you want that and you don't have that, it's so easy. You're taking your first step into that is so easy. Uh, in a moment, we're all gonna bow our heads and close our eyes. And uh, you can pray a prayer in which you just relay to God, God, I commit my life to you. I believe that, that Jesus was your son and that you raised him from the dead. And you can take your first step into walking with God and walk into that royal family. So Let's all, let's all close our eyes, bow our heads for a second. If that's you and, and and you want to make that decision today, I'm going to count to three and you can just raise your hand up and make eye contact with me and we can have a moment. And then everyone in this room is going to pray a prayer in which you can give your life to the Lord. So if that's you and you want to make that decision right now, on the count of three, just raise your hand and look at me. One. Two, three. I see these hands. If you're on the fence, it's the best decision you could ever make. It's the best decision you could ever make. I see these hands. And even even if you're here and you know you should raise your hand, but you're not, God knows, God knows the decision you're making, okay? So uh, I just want everyone in this room, if you've prayed it before, pray it with us right now. Just repeat after me. Father God, I thank you for what you've done for me. I confess that Jesus is Lord and that you raised him from the dead. I give my life to you. Thank you for inviting me into your royal family. I accept the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, can we get a big hand for anyone who decided to make that choice tonight? If that's you, if you made that choice tonight, if it was your first time making that decision, maybe you just you just re up that decision and rededicated your life to Jesus. Um, before you leave tonight, please hear this. Let me know, or Zach know, or someone else uh, in this room know who's a leader, what, what the decision you just made, because we have some important next steps that we can help you take. Uh, so that you can sustain that choice and so it won't just kind of fall off after you leave this room uh, so we really want to talk to you if you made that choice so please come find one of us afterwards if that was you that's all I got for tonight so I'm out of here Thanks. let's you. give it up
0: for this guy and Mike Russell is in the house thanks man